Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. Thank you. Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. My message is entitled, The Evil Within. The Evil Within. Do you know what? A lot of people say I smile a lot, and that's true. But I want to say something to all of you. You all have evil within you, but I love you all. (laughs) But even more so than that, I have evil within me. Let me share a short illustration with you. A four-year-old was caught by her mom standing in the chair eating cookies. After she had been told not to, here is how she explained the situation. Mom, it's not my fault. I just climbed up to smell them and my teeth just got caught another one a mother told her son not to go swimming however when he came into the house his mother noticed his hair and bathing suits were wet his mother scolded and told and and said i told you not to go swimming johnny said i couldn't help it mom he defended himself the water looked so good But why did you take your bathing suit with you, the mom asked him. In case I got tempted, Johnny replied. And lastly, a man and a woman was in a garden. They they were told not to eat of the fruit of a specific tree. However, both ate the fruit. Upon being confronted, the man said, Well, the woman you gave me, she made me do it. The woman said, Well, I was tricked by the snake. I cite these to say that, As humans, we have a tendency not to accept the evil within us. And it's true, Satan is the cause of all evil. And oftentimes we hear the excuse, you know, the devil made me do it. And and that might be true at times. But at times, too, the other cause of evil is ourselves. Over here in the book of Romans, chapter 7, verse 19. Let's, I just want to read a verse here to illustrate a point. Romans chapter 7, verse 19. And it says, Romans chapter 7, verse 19. Yes, Romans chapter 7, verse 19. And Paul is, the Apostle Paul is speaking here. For the good that I will do, I do not do, but the evil I will do, but the evil I will not do, will not to do that. I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find in a law that is evil, that is evil, that is present within me, the one who wills to do good. What's striking about this? Yes, the Apostle Paul wrote this, and um, this was written sometime, the book of Acts was written sometime in the 80s, the 50 ADs. And This was written sometime close to approximately 20 years after Paul was converted. So, Paul was writing this some 20 years later in his faith, after his confrontation with Christ. And we know Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. He had a depth and breadth and an understanding of the scriptures that few men did. And here, some 20 years later, think of it, if you were in the faith 20 years, you would think that you would 
you know, more, more than likely be um, mature and seasoned and a, an example to be the younger brothers and sisters in the faith. But here is, here is someone staunch in the faith, writing 20 years later that <laughs> there is within his members the proclivity to sin. So, Paul is saying he's carnal. And that point is hammered home in, um, let's turn back to Romans chapter 7 verse 14. He hammers it home very nicely here. Romans chapter 7 verse 14. He says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. So Paul now identifies the evil that was within him, his carnality. Our carnality is what brings us into slavery. The expression sold under sin in essence means becoming slave to sin. Let me go to another scripture to bring it out more clearly. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. Notice what the Lord Jesus Christ says. Matthew chapter 7 verse 11. And in case one or two were um, shocked at my opening statement, this is where I got the inspiration from. (laughs) Matthew chapter 7 verse 11. Christ says, If you then being evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? God identifies us as being evil. God identifies me as being evil. And you as having evil within us. That is our human nature. It's a mix of bad and good. But it's not pleasant facing our true natures. It's, It's not pleasant. The scripture is plain about telling us our tendency towards evil. There's a saying, know your enemy. And, you know, if you know your enemy, you can better uh, overcome your enemy. And that saying is oftentimes attributed to the one who goes about like a war in line, Satan the devil. Know your enemy. But, however, I'd like to ask a question. How well do you know the enemy within you? How well are you aware of the evil within you? Do I acknowledge the self-deception within myself? Do you know the level of self-deception within you? Over here in Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. The book of Mark chapter 7 verse 14. Let's go there. The book of Mark chapter 7 verse 14. Book of Mark, chapter 7, verse 14. When he had called all the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear me, everyone, and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. So, in other words, nothing from the outside makes a man evil like a piece of dirt that enters in doesn't make someone evil 
but the things which come out of him, those are, those are they that defile the man. So things that come within, within the man makes him, makes him evil. Verse 16, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus is telling us to look inside ourselves, to look inside our own human natures. The evil we have to battle and overcome is also within us, within me, within you, as well as the evil one present in this world. So there is an evil within. Let's continue in the book of Mark chapter 7. Let's come to verse 17. Mark chapter 7. Let's come to verse 17. Continuing on. When he had entered a house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. So he said to them, Are you without understanding also? Do you not perceive whatever enters a man from the outside cannot defile him? Because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach, and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. And he said, What comes out of a man that defiles a man? For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders. So, we're far from righteous. During our Christian walk, we're battling to overcome the evil that we've accumulated in the years before our conversion. And just because we're baptized, we went under that water, our conversion is not totally complete overnight. We haven't overcome all that tendency to sin. There's some still there. My hostile attitudes, my weaknesses, my uh, proclivities and tendencies to, uh, to sin is, is somewhat still in my members. We need to struggle to overcome. Jeremiah said this in chapter 17 of the book of Jeremiah, verse 9. A well-known verse. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And you know, human beings can rationalize anything. You could rationalize the color white being black. Human beings have the, uh, the, the, the tendency to rationalize anything. It's not human nature to think I'm, I'm a bad person. It's human nature to think I'm fairly good. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not perfect, but I'm acceptable. Who does the heart deceive the most? Who does my heart deceive the most? Who does your heart deceive, deceive the most? Let's go to a scriptural passage here. And we'll look at this passage, and it brings out the heart being desperately wicked. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. And let's come to verse 9 of Luke chapter 18.
So Jesus said to him, Luke chapter 18, verse 9. Also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Human nature tends to think we're good. We, we like that. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector standing afar off would not even as so much raise his eyes to heaven, but beats his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So here is the Pharisee. And he lists, he lists some positive qualities. And of the service, they're admirable. Um, they're commendable. I mean, most men would be attracted to someone with the characteristics and the, 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 uh, the qualities that the Pharisee listed off. Most men would want to be associated with uh, uh, someone who is, uh, uh, you know, uh, who, is, uh, who lists off those positive qualities. But here now is the tax collector who is saying, who is admitting himself to be a sinner. Let's say you were to meet two strangers. One was to say, one, and one said, well, I, I, I pray and I, I do fast twice a week and so on and so forth and list off these qualities. And the other stranger you just met, well, listen, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a sinner. Who would you want to associate with most? Most persons not knowing the two strangers. You might, human nature would, would tend to gravitate to the one who say, well, I, I fast twice a week. I, I pray. I mean, we, we would want to gravitate to what is good. And naturally, our human nature is like to gravitate to the good that is within us. And so we lose sight of those weaknesses, the bad that, that, is, that is within us. The publican knew he was a sinner. He says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The, pu the publican was aware of the evil that was within him. He wouldn't even lift his eyes to, in, to heaven. And it's ironic, the one who Jesus was attracted to, the one who, Je the one who caught Jesus' attention, unlike most of us whose attention would be caught by the one who listed off his good qualities, was the one who admitted he was a sinner, he was a stranger. The human heart means the intellect. It's, um, the expression means the emotions. It's, the, it's your inclinations, um, the seat of your, your desires. And sometimes it's dishonest and it's, and it's deceitful. And I dare say most don't like thinking themselves of as evil. Like the Pharisee, uh, he listed things of himself that was fairly good. Most does not most persons and natural do not naturally think of themselves as being a bad person. Or most persons don't spend time trying to identify what do I have to fix about myself. It's just not human nature. <laughs> if left unchecked, if the attitude of the Pharisee here who couldn't help but focus on the good qualities about, uh, about himself, 
effect unchecked, that attitude might lead to one of self-righteousness and pride and slothfulness. And if one gets to the point where you think, well, you're good, and all you can see is your good qualities within you, then, I mean, you may come to a point where you don't see where you have to grow or what you have to change about yourself. And your spiritual growth may then start to slow down and, and hinder and stop. Let's go to another passage that shows the inherent evil and deceitfulness of, of, of the flesh. Acts chapter 5. Let's come to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. And we'll come to verse 1. well-known story of Ananias and Sapphira, Acts chapter 5, verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds. So he did an admirable thing. He sold a possession. His wife also being aware of it, and bought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart with, with filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and kept back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And Ananias, hearing these world words, fell down and breathed his last. So the great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him and carried him out and buried him. Now let's think back to Ananias. Ananias sold some. It's not many men who today perhaps who would have the uh, within themselves to sell land all their land and bring most of the proceeds to the church and some would look at what ananias did as i mean it's acceptable no one said he was perfect after all he he sold i don't know he gave 80 80 90 percent of the proceeds uh, to the church i mean or let um, for, for argument's sake isn't that isn't that not admirable is that not that not good but he's not perfect and, you know, sometimes refusing to deal with your own potential for evil can even make our goodness dangerous. The problem with, with, with Ananias is that he tried to trick everyone into believing that he was giving everything. He tried to uh, show himself as more righteous than he was. More, perhaps he heard about how some other person in the church sold their land and, and laid it all to the feet of the apostles. And naturally, when one does a very unselfish and, and uh, admirable thing such as that, one tends to, to be recognized. He probably heard about Barnabas who sold his land. It's mentioned earlier in, uh, in chapter 4, in the, in the earlier verses, how Barnabas sold his land and laid all the proceeds uh, to, 
at the feet of the apostles. That's in Acts chapter 4, verse 36. And perhaps, who knows, because of that, perhaps Barnabas was recognized. Ananias probably witnessing or seeing the recognition that Barnabas attained, having done such an unselfish act, maybe was inspired to do the same thing. But he had a deception within him. Within him. And even though, on, on one sense, it might have looked like an admirable deed, to God, he was lying. He fooled himself to thinking he was doing a good thing, but yet was doing a bad thing. The memory verse that was read earlier says, our righteousness is like filthy rags. Do we dwell on that? It's not normal to dwell on that, but to overcome we need to recognize and confess the sin and the evil within us. Let's go to um, Book of Samuel, chapter fifteen. The Book of Samuel, chapter fifteen, and we we will see how the heart. Another example out just how the human heart is deceitful. And can rationalize anything, even when it seems good. First Samuel 15. That's First Samuel chapter 15. Let's come to verse 1. I'll read part of the chapter, not the whole chapter. First Samuel chapter 15. Samuel also said to Saul, For Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel. How he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. And do not spare them. But kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep and camel and donkey. So Saul was given instructions to destroy everything and to leave nothing alive. So Saul gathered the people together. And numbered them in Telam, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul, and Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait of the, the, the valley. Let's drop down to verse 7. And Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is the east of Egypt. He also took King Agag of the Amalekites alive. And utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But notice what Saul did. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, they utterly destroyed. And one can reason, well, Saul more or less followed the instructions. Yes, he spared a few of the best things and Agag, but he more or less followed through on the instructions. Let's see, what, how, let's see how the story continues. Verse 10. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, 
I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and he did, he set up a monument for himself. So he was admiring himself. And he had gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Notice as far as Saul is concerned, he has done what the Lord has done. He has destroyed the Amalekites and the livestock and so on and so forth. He has performed the commandment of the Lord. And you know what? For the most part, he did. And it, to some, that might seem acceptable. But Samuel said, what is the, this bleating of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, notice how he rationalizes, or notice how the heart, the human heart rationalizes. He starts out by saying, they, so he distances himself, not me. They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people speared the best of the sheep. The people, not me, Saul, the people speared the best of the sheep. Notice how Saul is unable to take responsibility. Our human natures do not like to admit when we do something wrong. Human nature doesn't like to readily confess, well, it was my fault. And Saul, after he's human after all, we shouldn't be too hard on him. He more or less followed, you know, the instructions, some would reason. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak on. Samuel, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel, and did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekite, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? This is how the Lord looks at it. Do we see ourselves how the Lord can see us? Can we see our faults like someone else can see us? I'll continue. Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do Evil in the sight of the Lord. Strong words. What Saul did, he probably didn't think of it as evil. He probably thought, well, I followed through on a scale of 1 to 10. Uh, I don't know, Saul followed through, followed through on an 8, a 9, what would you say, a 7? Uh, throw a number out. I mean, a 0? A 0. <laughs> a 0. And so... Zero. Some may say he followed through more than that, being that he's not perfect. But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. Saul, his heart is still deceiving himself. He says he followed through on, the, on a zero. Saul says, 
But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. Verse 20. What are you talking about? I followed your instructions. I destroyed the Amalekites and the livestock and so forth. See how the heart can really rationalize and deceive. And gone on the mission which the Lord sent me and brought back the king of the Amaleks. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people, notice the blame. But the people, not me, the people. So you see how I have followed through. But the people, they didn't follow through. Human nature. But the people took of the plunder of the sheep and the oxen. The best of the things which, we should have, which, which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gil- Gilgal. So Samuel said, as the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Saul evidently didn't realize perhaps the level of self-deception. Perhaps he didn't realize the level of evil that was within him. He didn't realize how deceitful his heart was. We need to sometimes examine ourselves and look inside ourselves in case sometimes we fail to see the evil that is within us and leads us into rationalizing something bad is good, as Saul did. James understood this point very well. In the book of James chapter 4, verse 6. Let's come there. The book of James chapter 4, verse 6. The book of James chapter 4, verse 6. Let's see. Might be verse 1. James chapter 4. Let's go there. James chapter 4, verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, but war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it. On your pleasures. So evil desires. If evil desires and intentions and attitudes. And pride are within us. The results. Often leads to negative consequences. If evil desires and bad intentions and pride and so forth are within us. And when the right situation comes around, it may lead us into sin, as it did for Ananias and Sapphira, as it did for Saul. 
Let's look at one last example. One last example of the heart being deceptious. One last example. Let's go to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Verse 1. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again. This time his brother Abel, now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. How did Cain react? How would you react? And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Now think about it. Put yourself in Cain's shoes. You have a, a brother. You both approach God, your father. Your brother's gift is accepted, and yours is not. How would you feel? How would you react? Look at Cain. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. So God is giving a warning uh, to Cain about not letting Sin get the better of him. Let me just read that, verse 6 and 7. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. It kind of brings, brings it out more, gives it more punch. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it. And be its master. So God is warning Cain, do not cave into those negative feelings. Do not let sin overcome you. Greed and pride and envy and, and jealousy. He's warning Cain, be careful not to fall, fall susceptible to that. only human being who had no evil within him was the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't have the human nature. He didn't have envy. He didn't have a lust for power. He didn't have a, a, a pride or jealousy and so forth. Let's turn to Luke chapter 4 verse 1. Luke chapter 4 verse 1. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. The story of how Jesus goes out into the wilderness. Let's look at a human being 
how a human being responds. In a challenging situation, a human being that has no weaknesses, that has no pride, that has no ego, that has no jealousy, that has no lust. When Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. You know what? That's more than 40 days, close to about six weeks. That's more than about, if let's say he wasn't tempted every day, that's about three or four temptations per day. And those, and in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, they had ended. He was hungry. That would be very hard for some today to go through that long of a fast. Can you think of the, the hunger pains? And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered and said to him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Put yourself in Jesus' shoes. You're a human being in the wilderness fasting for one week on end. You're extremely weak, extremely hungry. Someone said, and you, and you have the power to, to turn stone into bread. What would you do? You're, you're a human being. You're, you're susceptible to pain and weakness. How would you respond? I don't know. For me, I I don't know. Perhaps I, the flesh may succumb. But Jesus, having no having no pride or ego or lust within him, was able to respond admirably and correctly. You see, when self-deception is not in your members, when lust or covetousness is not in your members, when a, a, a questionable situation confronts you, you're more ready to, to respond in the right and admirable way in that situation. But Jesus answered him saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up high on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. So Esau presented to him all the kingdoms, the riches, and the glory of the world. Think of all the fine, precious gems and sapphire and diamonds and gold and and so forth beyond your wildest dreams. And someone offered that to you. Someone offered that to you. Now, be honest. If there was an ounce of covetousness or which human being might not succumb, Jesus was perfect. He didn't have the he didn't have the human natures that we have, 
and as such was able to overcome. He did not have no evil within him and as such was able to overcome. He was confronted, yes, with perhaps a source of evil. But Jesus being pure and good and not having a dark heart, not having the qualities of lusts and envies and so forth, murders and adulteries that comes from within a man, Jesus was able to overcome and resist. Verse 7. And G- verse 8, and Jesus said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a temple on a pillar. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from there, for it is written, He shall give his cha- angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, every temptation, remember Jesus was there in the wilderness for six weeks, and and the onset of the chapter, it said he was tempted every day. So looking at the type of temptations that Jesus was confronted with, as a human being in the flesh, being confronted, Uh, tempted every day with such strong temptations as these ask yourself would you succumb or would you overcome would you have succumbed to these temptations or would you overcome now the devil had ended every temptation he departed from him until an opportune time Satan appeals to the ego, the pride in us, the covetousness in us. Much like the story of Adam and Eve, which I I didn't go to, Satan appealed to uh, her her pride and her ego or covetousness. He made some promises when God, you know, gave Adam and Eve instructions, you know, of every tree of the fruit of the garden you can eat except the tree of the knowledge of the good of evil. Satan comes along and tempts them and tries to place a doubt in their mind. Has God indeed said you shall, shall not eat of the, the, the tree? And in the day of it, he, he, he says, he, in, he, in, Satan in, um, implies that you shall not die. And he, he, he tempts her, he shows her the, 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 the apple, the pride of life, and all that it, it, it represents. He says, you know, in the day you eat of it, you shall be like God, knowing good and evil. So there was that, that was appealing To know that if you could be like God, having a level of knowledge of good and evil, there's a certain appeal to that, and that appealed to Eve. So Satan appeals to the evils within our loins and within our members. He tried the same tactics with the Lord Jesus Christ, and he failed. Why? Jesus had none of those within him. Instead, Jesus was filled with perfect love. So we too should strive to become Christ-like, to overcome our human natures, our, our carnality. We need to uh, study our Bibles 
and pray and fast as Jesus did and meditate. Those are some things that we can do to overcome our, our human natures so that when we're caught in an, a situation that we probably will overcome being more Christ-like. An unpredictable situation was when Jesus was on the cross being crucified. And before his trial, he was spat on and he was beaten and he was falsely accused. He was made fun of. Jesus, not having a typical human nature, was able to say one of his last words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Are you aware of the evil within you? Am I aware of the evil within me? Let me conclude with Philippians, the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 1. The book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 1. The book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation version. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Then Paul goes on to say, Don't be selfish. Cain wanted his offering accepted by God. Don't try to impress others. Ananias and Sapphira perhaps tried to impress the peers in their church. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. The Pharisee failed at this, but the publican succeeded at this. Don't look out for your own interests, but take and interest in others too. Perhaps the greatest example of that was Jesus, who died for us on the cross. And then finally, verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Yes, we have the evil within us. But if we confess our sins as the sinner did, and know that by the Spirit of God, our human natures can be overcome. We can indeed be perfect like Christ. And Jesus said it, be perfect like your Father is perfect. It can be done, even though we are in the flesh. It can be done with the Spirit of God when we are renewed. This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, visit our website at cgiburlington.org.